Yes, You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And I'm Shelby, and I'm here with Matt. I was going to try to start off this episode with some kind of stilted 11 impersonation, because yeah. for whatever reason, it's she still awful. can't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> what is clothes? Who's <laughs> <laughs> shopping? Yeah. <laughs> Sh- what is shirt? Are you shirt? <laughs> She's struggling, you know, she's distracted playing tonsil hockey, so how does prioritize? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, she seems very adept at making out. <laughs> but also, why would you be making out with somebody in the room, like, <laughs> right next to your dad's recliner? She's got so many balls, questions. you know? But before we get into Stranger Things, we have to unpack a new trailer that's getting some buzz. Oh, gosh. <laughs> don't make me it's um it's a common theme on our podcast now talking about these live action remakes and our thoughts towards them but the mulan teaser just dropped for uh the mulan live action that's coming out in march next year yes May? like march like yeah like not even <laughs> this year we already have to deal with so many of these stupid live action remakes we're getting <laughs> The information about the Little Mermaid, Dumbo yeah. just came out, Aladdin just came out, Lion King comes out like in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Just okay. give me a break. <laughs> and also, the best parts about Mulan, <laughs> they have apparently cut from the movie. See, that's where you and I differ because I actually really prefer when they go off book for these remakes. Like, I loved Cinderella and I think it works so well because they stripped it of like, the talking mice and like magic pumpkins and they just kind of actually I, I think there might have been a magic pumpkin now that I'm saying there that. had to have been a magic <laughs> pumpkin that's the whole point of Cinderella but it was still it was just more human and it wasn't a musical and it was great and so this one actually really excited me because it's just a story about a kick-ass woman who like goes to fight like some soldiers and like an awesome outfit and i don't know i'm i i was more on board with this one for sure i feel like i really like mulan as a comedy oh that is the the i think the most successful part of it is that it's so funny i mean it's also a great action story but it's just Mm -hmm, so funny mm -hmm. and this looks like a very non-funny movie right yeah i mean i think they're playing it more true to the original story and like the original source and to be frank like it was not a well-received film in china they found mushu and everything kind of offensive so maybe it's okay to like step away from that and like and just see the story from a different lens and it looks like it's being really thoughtful and i don't know i'm excited about it did you as a trailer, did it work for you? Like, regardless of your feelings for live action? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's hard for me to watch it because I felt like the trailer was sort of boring, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. knowing that the plot line is, oh, this girl dresses up like a guy, goes to work. But then a lot of the scenes in the trailer, she was very clearly a girl in the fight scene. So then I wasn't even sure how much that plot line was going to come in or if she's just like a girl who signs up to go to war. No, that's just like the ending. That's just a future shot of the badass. I love Mulan. Like, that's my problem. Well, then why were they showing that in the trailer? Like, I I just don't understand what they're trying to sell us. It's like to get those, you know, to get people like me who like 
you know, you can hear the strains of the original score. And then she says that famous line that I forgot. And it's just like a really, it just reminded me of why I loved Mulan, which is because this woman is told she's not enough. And then she goes to war anyways, and she wins by her wits alone. Yeah, but did wasn't your favorite part of the Mulan the matchmaker who goes va <laughs> Mulan and then gets no. an ink beard on her and no, not, not really. almost drinks a cricket? Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean that might still happen. You don't know. This is just a or teaser. the part where Mulan goes if I see one more naked male and then the whole <laughs> army runs by her into the lake. There's just the so many. Gr- is, that movie still exists. So. You can enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> Shelby, you know what? I don't like it when you do this to me. You like have your cake and eat it too. You come out yeah. and and you're and you're so anti these movies and then just when I expect to like really get riled up with you, you're like, "No, what are you talking about? Why would you be upset about this? This makes perfect sense. This is the best yeah. movie that's ever been." I know. It's like sorry. am I being gaslit right now? <laughs> Well, I keep seeing trailers for The Lion King, and let me tell you, nothing gets me more enraged than watching those animals' mouths move as they talk. It just... But at least there's Beyonce. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to unpack that in a couple weeks, but I'm going and hating it already as much as you hated Endgame, so either we'll surprise you again and I'll love it, or it'll be like A Star is Born and, and I'll just be... Just double down. Anger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, anyways, let's get into Stranger Things. Yes. This is what we've been waiting for. I mean, oh my gosh. For years. Yeah. Forever. (laughs) Since that season two, which was what? Like almost two years ago because it was Halloween. Yeah. I was trying to remember because season one came out in 2016. Season one, yes, because season one came out right before you left New York because you were because we still worked at the same office when season one came out and you were like, this show's so good. And I was like, I'm not watching some stupid show about kids running around (gasps) the alien. And I got you to watch it. No. And then another friend who I trust more (laughs) got me to watch it. And so then I watched it. But I don't think I watched it till the next (laughs) summer. And was super into it, and then this, and then the second season came out that fall, and I was okay. obsessed with that as well, which I think is just as strong as the first season. And then I was like, okay, when season number three, like it's got to be coming here shortly. Yeah. But yeah. no, they took their sweet old time with this. Bad well, boy. yeah, and it became obvious because it was a much higher budget than the past two, and there were a lot of visual effects that I'm sure just took time, you know. So <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I guess so, but still, <laughs> I mean, it was well worth the wait. It was, a, I thought yeah. it was a fantastic. Just spoilers right now. I thought I it was a fantastic <laughs> season. I'm not going to be able to, you know, be like, did he like it? Didn't he Dude, like it? Like, yeah. no. Yeah, I think that's a good way to start. You know, is just leveling expectations because. So the first season, it happens in 1983 in November. It follows the missing Will and the friends are trying to find him. They find Eleven, whatever. Second season is in Halloween of 84. And then the third season is the summer of 85, which is fun. A little different, a little different scene. No more foliage and like grumpy (laughs) winter clothes. It's just uh, sunshine and and uh, summer mall trips. So I guess I'm curious, how would you rank the three seasons? See, I feel like almost that I can't 
<laughs> rank them. I love them all so much. And I was I was thinking about this because basically all three seasons follow the same trajectory where it's everybody's like, mm, weird things are going on. I wonder what it can be. Meanwhile, there's like nefarious activity. And then eventually yeah. it gets to a boiling point where Eleven and her supernatural powers have to take on a weird alien. And that's sort <laughs> of like what all three seasons are. And despite the fact that it doesn't appear to really be going anywhere different than that, mm. I have loved all three seasons. I think yeah. be- because of all of the character development and that the characters mm-hmm. are so interesting. And there's so many of them that I am just in love with. And when you watch it, when it's usually like on a show like Game of Thrones or something that has an ensemble cast, there's a couple characters that I really like. And then you switch back to groups where it's like, okay, I don't really care about any of these people, whatever. But with Stranger Things, there's so many people that I like that whenever it switches to a different group, I'm still invested in it. And mm-hmm. so I really can't rank the three seasons other than I will say that one episode in season two where it's just <laughs> Eleven and her it. weird people. Yeah. That was bad. But the yeah. the rest of it, all good. Yeah. Did you have I a ranking? It's hard. Like you said, I, I mean, so Rotten Tomatoes, like season one has 96, season two, 94, and season three has 89, which I thought was surprisingly low. I mean, it's still an amazing score, but... I was thinking about it because it feels like every time I watch a season, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my favorite. Like it just builds in such a unique and interesting way. And so I've been thinking a lot about the question. And I think if I had to. And this is so hard because then I was reading like reviews on season three and some people were like, oh, it starts off too slow, but then picks up or they were like, oh, it's so good in the beginning, but then it fizzles. And they're like, oh, it's so much better than one. Oh, so much better than two. And it's like everyone is just like reacting to it so differently. But I would say, oh, man, actually, I just changed it again in my mind because I just rewatched season two in advance of this and I loved it. And I skipped episode seven which i think really helped so yes but then season one is like the original and they're so baby and dustin has his little teeth and it's just like oh so cute so i don't know <laughs> maybe the, by the, the end of this I'll episode say, i'll have it is season one doesn't i think season one might be like if i had to had to had to i think i'd put season one as my least favorite because it doesn't mm-hmm. have will steve really yeah. isn't in his like real form and it doesn't have max <laughs> yeah. and all three yeah. of them are great in the second season but then yeah. season three has all of them plus robin who i really like mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. erica is a bigger character and i think that <laughs> season three has the least 11 and she's probably my least favorite character so <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. Oh, there's just good and bad to all of it. But I mean, to get into the backstory of the series itself, this is created by the Duffer Brothers, who are basically nobodies. Like they had a few different credits. Like they wrote for one of this like TV show, and they were sort of like taken under the wing of M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> so it's a miracle they came out unscathed. Run. Run. Yeah. <laughs> But they were like, we have this idea for this show. And he was like, oh, yeah, you've got to do this. And they pitched it like across the board to tons of network television show television networks. And it got rejected because they thought like, oh, the children aren't a good angle. You should have it just follow Hopper's investigation. And it's like further proof that execs don't know 
anything that they're talking about. Yeah. But they finally got on board with Netflix, who agreed to do this eight-hour sort of sci-fi epic in the same genre as like Stephen King and just kind of exploring like the Steven Spielberg angle of stuff. And it was originally supposed to be set in like Long Island. It was called Montauk. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. they were going to, you know, have it be more about that and like time travel and missing people and stuff. But instead, they ended up moving it to Indiana to an unknown town. And then they called it Stranger Things. And one thing that I find very interesting and vindicating is, do you know who (laughs) the like big name producer on Stranger Things is? Oh, no, I don't. It's Sean Levy who is great, and do you know what movie he directed? Uh, no. Some would say the greatest (laughs) teen movie of all time. Okay. Starring Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes, (laughs) Big Fat Liar. The director of Big Fat Liar is like the lead producer of (laughs) Stranger Things, which makes total sense of why this show is so good. Clearly, he knows what he's doing. Yes, so maybe we'll get an Amanda Bynes feature next season. You know, or or (laughs) we could get a Frankie Muniz. That's one hundred percent doable because they (laughs) love going back. I know, and if we get back to like a nineties at some point, oh yeah. He'll be, yeah, it'll be like having Winona Ryder, you know? It'll be like she is to the 80s what he is, I guess, to the 90s. Probably more the 2000s. Probably, yeah, early 2000s. (laughs) Well, whatever. It's exciting because the Duffer brothers are very insistent that they want a character-driven show where story comes sort of second. So they've done a really good job of establishing these people. And all the characters, the main characters were cast before the most of the season one was written so characters like steve and dustin were able to kind of influence how their character would be written and so it all feels a little more natural than maybe it would have or could have and like it's been fun to kind of see these characters grow because often as you go on in seasons it just starts to feel like it's regurgitating the same personality traits the same lessons no one's really changing because that would change the dynamic but here they really embrace change and i think that's what's so exciting about it well what's really interesting is that most series i think the characters stay very similar and the plots mm-hmm. change a lot yeah. and in this <laughs> series the plot really hasn't changed that much but the <laughs> characters develop each season and really the first 3 or 4 episodes of most of these seasons are predominantly character development. There's not Mm -hmm. that much happening in the first episode of this season. It's, you know, you're meeting up with all these characters, you're establishing them again. But really, it's not until you get to like episode four that it starts being really plotty. And the first bunch have lots of, you know, just conversation scenes. And really, even once you get to episode seven and eight, which in a traditional TV show would be all action, you still get these (laughs) scenes where like Steve and Robert are in the bathroom having this long conversation in the midst of all of this drama. (laughs) And I think that those scenes are even stronger than a lot of the the plot stuff. I mean, obviously their monsters are terrifying and they do a really good job of sort of like setting up small unsettling things in the early Uh episodes so that they can like develop into bigger things as you go on. But there it's so much more focused on these people and their relationships than it is on the 
plot to the point where I feel like I would gladly watch a season four of Stranger Things that's like Breakfast Club themed and just, you know, there is (laughs) no no uh, danger. Yeah, whatsoever. It's just all of them like, you know, kind of figuring out themselves as people. Yeah. Well, and that's what's interesting about this season is it kind of broke the group up a little bit and um, it became like, a, you know, it's a big cast. And when you have a big cast who's always together, someone gets lost in the shuffle. So instead, they really kind of split it into factions a little bit and had the story happening from various different angles that didn't really come together until at least past the midpoint of the season. And so, I mean, some of the characters didn't even know what the other characters were doing until the finale of like the episode six, seven, eight or whatever. So there's a lot going on, but it just felt so organic and natural and interesting and and fun to watch. So, I mean, this is a year where um, the older kids had graduated high school. So I just (laughs) forgot their names. Nancy and and Jonathan. Jonathan are working at a local newspaper. You have Steve, who's slinging ice cream with a new girl, Robin, at the mall. Which, is that a phrase, slinging ice cream? They said it a million times in this series, and I'm like, I have never <laughs> yeah. heard slinging ice cream as a phrase oh, really? used by anyone. No, oh, yeah. like scooping, I feel like maybe. It. No, I don't know where it comes from now that you point it out, but I feel like that's something I've heard. I just thought it was weird. <laughs> slinging ice cream. Well, yeah. it's a real thing, obviously, because they said it, and this is this is factual. You know, it's the 80s. well. I wondered if it was like '80s slang that you know people <laughs> smartened up in the last forty years, and were like, you know what, we're gonna just call it scooping because you're using a scoop. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Something to consider. We'll we'll unpack the etymology on our on our socials. Yes. But so those are the three older kids, and then you obviously have Will and Mike and. Dustin and this is entertaining. I honestly can't even remember. I'm so bad Lucas. with names. Lucas! There's Lucas. There's Max. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. eleven. I the girls, obviously. <laughs> Hello. That's um. sexism. <laughs> Reverse sexism. And real. forgetting Lucas, that's racism as well. Oh, so now you're just... right. I'm sorry. My apologies. Okay, but the point is the four best friends are all growing up. Mike is dating Eleven. They're <laughs> they're making out like there's no tomorrow. And Max and Lucas are still dating, sort of on and off in a in a impassioned way. Are they though? Because there's really like there's no they they're already broken up by the beginning. I guess at the end they're sort of like <laughs> they're holding hands or something at one scene, but there's no real I thought they both sort of just like the way Max would talk about it is just like, oh, yeah, you break up and then you get back together, you know? Yeah, she seemed they seemed much (laughs) less into it than Eleven and Mike. Yeah, still cute, still funny. And Dustin had been gone for a summer camp where he met his girlfriend, Susie, that no one believed existed. Yeah, there's just so much fun stuff happening. So I will just to say now that we're going like full spoilers from the get go. And there really is two plot lines going on here. There's the Russians in the mall plot line. And there is the evil giant alien. Mind flayer. 
yes, mind flayer made up of the body parts of dead humans and rats <laughs> that's spoiler attacking alert. the town. Well, I gave a spoiler alert, Shelby. That's why I said it. But then within those two groups, they're sort of, we're focusing on factions. There's people running around getting different information. And I think eventually those kind of two groups like come together, but it's not until yeah. the last episode right. really that everybody's in the same place. Oh yeah, there's a lot going on. And at first it took, like, I feel like this is true with each of the seasons. It kind of takes a while to warm up to kind of get a sense of everyone and everything. And you're kind of like, what are they getting at? What is this happening over here? So this season was definitely interesting because instead of just having like, you know, the kids and the adults, you had the scoop troop and the news crew and then Hopper and Joyce and so I don't even know where to start, like, unpacking this season. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I, like, made, uh, I made, like, five groupings of people and then uh-huh. charted out what they're doing in each episode <laughs> to try to wrap my head around this and talk about it in a different way. But, yeah, I think there's, like, Joyce and Hopper, there's the Scoop Troop, there's Nancy and Jonathan, and then there's the kids. So I don't know which yeah. one of those you want to talk about first. Well, let's start with the one you liked the least. Oh, the one that I liked the <laughs> least. Uh, let's start with Nancy and Jonathan, which has to be <laughs> everybody's it. least favorite. Uh, yeah, I, the, guess, I think maybe. they're the two. They're the two worst characters. They're like bland. necessary characters for the yeah. first season because they're the two <laughs> people who are closest to the people who disappear. Where Jonathan's brother Will disappears and. Nancy's best friend Barb disappears. Yeah. But then it felt like in season two, they were really struggling to figure out what to do with them. They like go away to that <laughs> doomsday preppers house and they fall in love, but it's sort of just a weird thing. And this season, they're <laughs> like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have them both work for the local newspaper and do the investigative journalism storyline, <laughs> which I don't know. I I thought it worked fine. They were my least favorite characters, and I felt like this plotline was probably the least interesting, but yeah. it was still an interesting enough to watch. Is that what you kind of took away from it? Yeah, I think it was interesting because one of the criticisms the Duffer brothers have gotten is their treatment of female characters. So watching this season was actually like really enlightening and how they were able to take feedback and actually make interesting changes because this whole group, like, it all becomes about Nancy dealing with this boys club at the newspaper and wanting to prove herself and never being given a chance and always being called Nancy Drew and dealing with these sexist, misogynistic dudes who just look at her as the coffee girl. And her own boyfriend is trying to play the game and doesn't get why she's so bothered. And so all that felt like really relatable and interesting and like showed a different dynamic to the 80s that maybe got glossed over in season one when it was all from the perspective of, you know, prepubescent boys. So I kind of liked it. But yeah, and I mean, Joyce. <laughs> and Joyce, who was, who was solely worried about her prepubescent boy. But well, she was a mother. Yeah, who had yeah. Lost I her know. Child, I so know. it does I'm make just sense. You know, there was some interesting growth here that I think they got to explore because Nancy, of course, wants to be more involved. She hears this rumor about crazy about rats going crazy and decides to follow up on it and drags her sort of supportive boyfriend along for the ride who finds it somehow really hard to believe that something weird's going on in a town where he's fought off like two crazy aliens. Yeah. So <laughs> not a great boyfriend. 
That's one of the only issues I sort of had with this season and with the show in general. It's like, okay, the town, obviously weird things are happening and weird things have happened before. And yet instead of really like looking at it as seriously as I think you would, (laughs) they are kind of like, what? What's going on? These like weird <laughs> things. Like they they're not like, it's the aliens. They're back yeah. again. They're like, they're oh, like no. what? The magnets <laughs> are falling off our fridge. Why is this? And then also they even though this is the same group that has gone through this multiple times, they <laughs> never really contact each other about it and be like, hey, right. everybody, let's regroup. Yeah. They're all doing their separate things, thinking like, well, this, <laughs> this probably is not this. a big yeah. deal, is it? We'll just go handle this by ourselves and not let the others in on it. Yeah. So it, it's a tough uh, communication joint. I mean, with Nancy in particular, at first, she really doesn't think it's necessarily paranormal. But once the... Uh, once you find an old lady chew- chowing on fertilizer, I think you'd start to think, hmm, like maybe Which, this isn't good did news. We, did we ever figure out why they were eating the fertilizer just to like power right. them or something? Like there wasn't any real like, explanation of this. Yeah, I don't think there was an explanation. I guess if I was put on the spot, maybe it was to make them like juicier when they melted into the <laughs> oh yes because <laughs> first they're looking for these rats that are eating the fertilizer yeah. we find out as viewers early on that these rats are like self-destructing Freaking sort of into this pile of Ugh, yeah so gross. of like fleshy mush and then all of the flesh is joining together and mm-hmm. then later on you realize that the humans are doing the same thing including mm-hmm. this old lady who had originally called about the rats they're eating this yeah. fertilizer and then blowing up and then turning into this giant monster that attacks Nancy and Jonathan in the hospital. It is pretty gross. It was a pretty disturbing sequence of events because two of the two of the news guys are infected and then dissolve into this pudgy bonish. Oh, it's just so gross to watch. I had to look away. And then it can slide under doors. And and it was really interesting. But I kept waiting for either of them to just like run better. Or like like when <laughs> when um Nancy is stuck in the room with it, like and it's growing, like I would I would have run around it, you know? And instead she just stood there and Yeah, and run out the door. It. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so they were or I mean, shove I guess a towel under shocked. the door, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't she something. think of this on the fly when a giant <laughs> alien creature was attacking her? The pre-climax, I guess, takes place at the hospital. And I just wonder how the rest of the town wasn't alerted to the fact that people had been murdered in the hospital, you know? <laughs> yes, you would think that. But this is, <laughs> I think, maybe the third movie that I've seen this year that features a hospital that is undergoing construction while... <laughs> like a murderer is chasing people through it. So maybe there's something to do with the, you know, the night shift and that part of the hospital is not built yet. I don't know. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I thought that multiple times. I also had that thought when people were like running through the fairgrounds with guns in the (laughs) Hopper and Joyce plot line, which I don't know. Do you want to move on to that then? I guess. Yeah. Let's get into that one. So, Hopper's another guy who's in delusion about the fact that they live in a town where things go pretty bad, pretty regularly. And honestly, I thought this had been more of a time jump, but realizing it was only half a year, like he should have been way more on alert than he was, you know? 
Well, he's basic. He's basically an alcoholic who <laughs> is trying to get in Joyce's pants, which isn't really working. And Joyce, like she always is, is fixated on some kind of tiny, weird <laughs> abnormality that then turns out to be the precursor of a giant, crazy supernatural attack. Right. She realizes that these magnets keep falling off of her fridge. <laughs> And while Hopper is just trying to go on a date with her, she is going around town talking with the science teacher and consulting people about like electromagnetic forces and is able to put together that there must be some kind of giant machine that is causing all of this. (laughs) And so they stumble upon this Russian, I don't know, laboratory organization that's basically trying to access the upside down. That the mayor of the town who's being blackmailed or paid off to like sell certain properties to this like secret group. Who cares? (laughs) And the guy looks like a Terminator and so yeah, there was like a lot of like politics going on in their storyline, I guess, because eventually they do find this lab and they kidnap one of the scientists who's this Russian scientist. And did you like him? He's a new character. Yeah, I thought he was fine. I When people, when he, spoiler alert, dies in the seventh <laughs> episode and everyone was like, oh my gosh, Alexei, Diane, yeah. he was so sweet. I was like, he was in three episodes of the show and also like not... I don't know. Right. I didn't find him that likable. He didn't even speak English. He just, what, like, ate a Slurpee in a fun way or something? Yeah, I think it was weird how it got sort of a cult following. It's almost like they wanted to make it, like, Barb again, where it's like, yes. he didn't seem that important to me. And I didn't, I mean, it no. was sad when he died because it was, like, a really, it was a cool way they they did it. And, like, they definitely, like, humanized him in an interesting way. But, but yeah, I didn't feel the same pull that most of social media seems to and um, I guess the main point is he gave them the information about how to destroy the machine. And um, so the adults know now that there's a machine that's opening the upside down gate. And so they have this goal to go to the Russian base and turn it off. And so that's kind of where the adults leave off. But then obviously there are the children to contend with. So let's go, let's talk about the usual crew, the, the 11 and all of her buddy. Buds. Yes. So Dustin is split off with the other group, but, mm-hmm. but will and Lucas and Mike and 11 and Max are sort of a separate crew. There's a couple episodes early on where Max and 11 have like broken up with Lucas and Mike. And yeah. so there's separate plot lines, but they are sort of the other half of the Jonathan and Nancy, like supernatural plot Uh where they realize 11 realizes that there's something going on with Billy just based on the fact that she can go into that dark space and see people, see what other people Mm -hmm. are doing, even though they don't know she's there. And they witness him sort of like attacking this, fellow lifeguard and then go investigating the situation and come to find out Billy was the first human that was infected with whatever this like fertilizing desire virus is (laughs) and has been recruiting all of these other individuals to join this cult. Yeah. And then once everybody kind of, once that group of kids all joins together, they're basically like tracking Billy, trying to stop Billy. Eleven's using her force powers. They end up at that hospital as well and help defeat the 
bad guy. And so they're kind of like in the supernatural half because Eleven, obviously, is the only real weapon they have against any of mm-hmm. this. And Despite the fact that they give Nancy a shotgun at every point <laughs> that they can because hashtag female empowerment. <laughs> but it's sort of the Eleven versus the monster show. Yeah, but I thought they did it in an interesting way because there was a lot of conversation about how unfair it was that they put all that on Eleven. But then, like, Will... I mean, Mike is really opposed to it, but then Max is like she's strong enough for this. Like you have to believe in her. Like you have to find her capable enough, like trust her to do this. And so there was some sort of interesting discussion about, you know, is it fair to put all that on a tween or, you know, can she actually handle it? And then most interesting of all is she can barely like handle one of the major attacks from the mind flayer gets bitten and sort of loses her, loses her power a little bit and and in another gross scene they have to rip a little bit of this gross creature out of her leg and it's just horrifying <laughs> yeah it's weird because by the end of the season she doesn't have any powers left uh-huh. which i think is an interesting wrinkle going into season four i'm sure that at the very appropriate climactic moment in season four she will somehow (laughs) regain those powers but to be determined i guess they could surprise us so did you like the monster did you like the billy angle like they really tried to make that a little more interesting and thoughtful than maybe villains in the past have been you know well so i had a couple of thoughts on this number Mm -hmm. one i i really liked the creepiness of the monster i like that he was Mm -hmm. using these bodies and kind of like pulling them together into this giant mush i thought that was disgusting and really inventive and not something i had seen before i also thought that in season two billy i is a character that i don't know why he's there he's he's a bully (laughs) but he doesn't really affect the plot very much right in a lot of ways he's kind and he's not a real person this the cast is so full of very viscerally real characters that you feel like you get to know and he was always sort of a caricature so i Mm -hmm. like what they did with him in this season by just making him into this kind of like host for this for the mind flayer right and at some point i saw on twitter or somewhere else that Someone was saying, oh, the reason why they put him in season two was to set up this arc in season three. And I thought, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But then I didn't love the weird part where Eleven could see his past and then kind of like calls his past out in the last moments and he Mm -hmm. sacrifices himself. I was like, we don't need this. This is weird. (laughs) Like, we didn't care about him in season two. We don't really care about him in season three. Like, I don't need this like resolution arc to him of redeeming storyline. It's not like he <laughs> was a good guy it... who became a bad guy and then becomes a good guy again. Well, he was just always sort a crap like... person. No, he wasn't like, that's the point is that he, well, he had was a child and he was trying to be good. And then he just got destroyed by the darkness of his dad and like the loss of his mother. And he just became this, sad broken angry vessel and it's like she reminded him of her of his humanity you know and then he was like i have to save these people like you know i can't like let this evil permeate i liked that they gave him a little more characterization and growth than he would have gotten as just a monster 
I found it very unnecessary. And I also <laughs> found it weird that it was between Eleven and him and that it yeah. really happened within like the last couple episodes. I think right. if you want to give him that moment, give it to him and Max, who's his sister, and have yeah. some kind of relationship thing there that changes him. I don't right. think that we need Eleven to see his mom on a beach in a fairly <laughs> uneventful scene. Yeah, like, did she die? That Like, what was... I don't know. No, she left them. He was abandoned to the darkness of his father. And then he had to move and he lost everything he loved, you know? Poor Billy. But I will say I am... It was sort of an interesting... Like, in the moment, I loved the show. I really did. I think it's so good. It still is. But, like, thinking about it more, it is sort of, like, what was the Mind Flayer's goal like there was that whole conversation where through billy he was taunting 11 and was like you invited us now you have to let us stay i know where you are i'm gonna come destroy you like was he angry at 11 grateful like is he is his sole purpose to kill 11 is he trying to become like i don't know i just kind of felt like that was sort of lacking logic for me because like with the Demogorgon, it just seems like an animal who's just eating things it sees. Whereas this tried to say it had a mission, but I wasn't clear on what that mission was. The, I think the mission was to take over, to break through from the upside down to the, I don't know, right side up, whatever the real <laughs> world is, and to take over that. Mm-hmm. And so Eleven stops it from doing that in season two by shutting the gate and it leaves right. a little portion of himself behind. And then in this season, he's trying to take out 11 because he knows that's the right. one force in between him and taking over the world. Okay, the okay. part that I didn't understand is the big finale of the season is that Hopper and Joyce well, that the Russians are trying to open this gate to the upside down, presumably to use it as a weapon against the U.S. And mm-hmm. so they they know that this gate is in Hawkins, so they build this mall and build their base underneath the mall. And then Joyce and Hopper have to go down there and destroy this machine that's trying to open the gate. And when they destroy the machine and the gate closes, the Mind Flayer dies in the right. real world yeah and i never understood what that connection was right and like did it only work when the gate was open is that why it was getting more powerful yeah like i didn't when they closed the gate i thought okay they closed the gate now they have to go back and deal with the monster and then the monster just died and i was very right because i think they even had like it. conversations where they're like this is different like they were like oh i thought when I thought when the gate closed, everyone died. All the dogs died. But then this didn't. And they like address that. But then it dies this time. So it is kind of... There does seem to be a hole there that I can't quite explain. So I don't know. I was a little confused on that. I know. But we're not watching for the aliens. We're watching for the characters. And some of the best moments happened with the scoop troop. Which is Uh, um, Dustin and Steve, who are BFFs now. That Dustin's been... Feels kind of rejected by his old friends and he's hanging out with steve at the mall where he works with robin a newcomer and they also eventually bring in erica lucas's little sister so the hijinks ensue in quite a few colorful ways 
These are just all of the funniest characters <laughs> together, I feel like. Yeah. And they're... Their plot line is this weird spy heist kind of plot. They are not really involved at all with the supernatural stuff. Dustin just hears this Russian communication over his radio, and then they're trying to translate it, and they realize there's this base under the mall, and they go down there and break in, and then there's an interrogation plot line. But it's just so funny. And because I think the characters in this group there's not as much action necessarily. Right. It really lends itself to all of them getting to know each other and just have these very fun one-on-one scenes with each other where they're talking about themselves and what they're going through. And I, I was just, whenever it switched back to this group, I was fully invested. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, first of all, Dustin and Steve is the bromance that just gives life to everything it touches. But then Robin is kind of snarky and clever and quick-witted and is always making fun of Steve. There's this whole angle that Robin and Steve should date and they kind of eventually get broken off even further where Dustin and Erica escape long enough to kind of figure out a plan. Robin and Steve are interrogated by the Russians and kind of get punched full of these drugs that make them a little loosey-goosey and so they end up hiding in this movie theater um, in the mall and the drug addled teenagers are in a bathroom laughing and trying to talk about life and Dustin is giving his sage advice to Erica who thinks everyone's nerds and is secretly revealed that she has some nerdy qualities too and so they're each given these really human moments to kind of like talk to each other and make real progress but also in such a funny fresh way and something that I think can either sink or I will sink or swim. I don't know. Sink or raise. I don't, what's the phrase of a TV yeah. show is the new characters because mm-hmm. as the show goes on, obviously they want to add in new characters. Sometimes yeah. that works really well and bolsters the whole cast. Sometimes you get duds and really yeah. two seasons in a row. Now I feel like they have done a fantastic job of adding new people in yeah. season two. They have Max and also Bob, Sean Astin's character Aww. who dies. And then in, I know RIP. And then in season three, we get Robin who is such a joy and so yes. much fun to see her interactions with Dustin and with Erica, but mostly with Steve. And mm-hmm. there's sort of this romance plot line where you think that she is maybe Steve's new love interest only to yeah. find out in this fantastically written bathroom scene yeah. where Steve kind of confesses that he's in love with her and she tells him that she's a lesbian. Yeah, And it's just such a great scene for the two of them as characters. And then they kind of like the way that Steve reacts to yeah. it where you can tell he's sort of heartbroken, but he's also trying to like cover it up by being funny. And that then there's this like friendship. Supportive and it's just, so yeah, sweet. Uh, yeah. It was really such a, good. It, like I felt like that was the high moment of the entire yeah. series or season for it me. It was such a good scene. Just the way it was shot where they're in the two separate stalls and then he crawls under and he's just, they're sitting. It was just so good. And it is those like human moments that really just like, prove that it's a show that's like really well thought out and really well written and again it shows that the Duffer brothers really took 
everything that was said about season one, season two, and built on it. Because in season two, everyone was like, OMG, Erica is so funny. We need more Erica. And so they're like, okay, we'll throw her into this like major plot line where she'll be present in every single episode. And then there were all those complaints about female characters and how they only interact, like they only exist to interact with the dudes. And so they introduced Robin, who yeah, at first glance, you think, oh, it's just this love interest. And then it turns out she's just a full-fledged character on her own who's just friends with these guys, too. And so I think it was a really good moment that kind of humanized the whole series and just, like, proved that, oh, my gosh, it's just so warm and fuzzy, you know? And really, I think that the female, that original group of boys from the a first season are sort of like on the back burner. If you were to list the characters off from like most important to least important, I feel like Lucas (laughs) and Mike and Will are probably like the three smallest players in the group. Yeah. And Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. But then they all come together in this mall, basically where they all like start to realize everyone has a little piece of the puzzle. And they have to like rise up to uh, to stop this alien and to stop the Russians. And it was a lot. It was a big finale. There was a lot going on. And of course, the big moment is that Hopper is stuck in this engine room where the machine is going to blow up and he can't get away. And so he supposedly <laughs> dies in a he evaporates into thin air. And, and in and it in is. the least convincing death scene <laughs> that I have ever seen in a TV no, show. It was still emotional. We see no body. Yeah. We see no anything. Yeah. And then, and so you're kind of like, well, I know by TV rules, if there's no body, <laughs> and and you don't even really see him like disintegrate. Like you see other right. people disintegrate, but you don't see him. But and where it's like, else well, could he have gone? You know, I don't know. Under a dumpster. Who knows <laughs> with these things? But. So that is like mildly sad, whatever. I was still waiting for him to pop up. Then we get the flash forward to three months later where Joyce and Will and Eleven and Jonathan are moving away from Hawkins because Mm -hmm. they're smart and it's a dangerous city. Yeah, exactly. But we also get this last little coda that's in like a Russian interrogation camp where they have one of the Demogorgons from the first season Mm -hmm. somehow or another Mm -hmm. that they must have extracted from the upside down that they're like setting loose on prisoners and kind of as a throwaway line, they're walking past one prison cell to go to the prison cell that they are trying to get to and they say oh not this one that's where the American is and I'm immediately like okay Hopper's in a thing in Russia somehow he was (laughs) he escaped or was captured or whatever by these Russians at this base and was taken to Russia done deal he'll be back in season four (laughs) I don't know I mean we saw the other Russians who were stuck in the same room disintegrate so yeah I see your point and I won't be surprised if he pops up but I also just feel like he's not in Russia like I feel like that would be more likely to be like the doctor from season one, like Papa, who is feeding them all this information about the Upside Down and the Demogorgon and all this stuff. And so I feel like that will end up being not Hopper, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hopper shows up. Some theories are like, since they had a big scene revolving around Back to the Future, they think time travel will be a part of season four, especially because it was supposed to be a part of the original 
like Montauk screenplay that they wrote. Mm, and so, so maybe he'll come back in that way. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting that immediately after finishing a series, all you want is the next one, you know? Oh, <laughs> so for sure. Cute. It was so good. But, but it really felt like the end. It like ended on this, you know, Eleven finds a note from Hopper and you get this dramatic voiceover as they drive away. And it's just so sad, you know? Did you cry? I didn't, but they do such a good <laughs> job of really wrapping everything up. Yeah. And I'm excited. The The Duffer Brothers said, definitely four seasons, maybe five seasons. I yeah. am pitching. I think that the next season should be, should not come out this Christmas, but should come out the following Christmas and should be like a Christmas New Year's themed <laughs> season. Because they haven't really done that yet other than the, yeah, snowball. the snowball. And I think that would be a fun time. They talked at the end of this about how maybe they would come back to yeah. Hawkins for Christmas. So I feel like that could make sense. Like, oh, it's Christmas break. We're coming back. We're visiting. Oh, no, things are going wrong. Yeah. That's my pitch for season four. That's a good one. It's a, I just want I just want more of them. I was sad to see them move, but I was also glad that they were willing to like make that logical choice for those characters because there's no reason that Joyce would keep her family there after three years of near-death experiences. So I really like, I was glad they did that, but it'll be interesting to see what that changes in coming seasons. Tell me if this is a hyperbolic statement. I think that Stranger Things is, if not the best show currently on television, then definitely the best drama currently on television. I was looking through lists of other things that are still out and I could not think of a show that has had three solid seasons that I have loved that is Mm -hmm. currently still airing. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, this is definitely like a top 10 show of all time for me. Like I think they continue to pull out all the stops and exceed every expectation and even their missteps like that episode we don't talk about in season two it's oh, yeah. like at least they know enough to not revisit it you know they just closed that yeah. chapter and moved on because <laughs> i was worried i was like oh they're yeah. gonna have like Eleven's not strong enough that whatever the fricker <laughs> name is is gonna be popping back up for this season yeah. but they didn't not a mention of her the entire time no. she's no longer bitching no longer in like dark makeup and slicked back hair it's like it never happened <laughs> And the reason I think why they didn't bring up uh, Brenner is because they know that that's attached to that plot line and that whatever they (laughs) do with him, they're going to have to deal with that episode as well. And they're like, nope, we're good. Like, we'll do we'll just do more uh, ice cream scoop stuff and, and leave the leave the other superheroes. Oh, my gosh. And we have to talk about the best payoff of a joke that's ever been made is this whole the first episode starts off with Dustin coming home telling all his friends about his girlfriend Susie who lives in Utah and is a Mormon hashtag shout out but that he can't ring her in so no one believes him and the whole season is just people making snide jokes or comments about how Susie can't be real like just go along with it like I believe you but maybe I don't type stuff and so it all comes to a head when Dustin is at the radio and he needs to find out this nerdy number that's the 
that's the code to get into the Russian, the Russian base or whatever. And he thinks to dial Susie and Susie's real, which is so sweet. Immediately, Steve is excited. But the best and the funniest moment of the season for me is when Susie refuses to help until they they until Dustin does something for her. And at first I thought it would just be like, oh, like, I love you, boopykins or whatever, something embarrassing he had to say. But instead, <laughs> they break into this extended chorus of the never-ending story theme song. And it was just hilarious. And it just kept going. It got all the reaction shots of literally everyone. And I just thought it was so funny. My favorite part of that whole scene was the Jurassic Park-esque shot (laughs) where the music is going on, they're singing, (laughs) and there's a group of people in this car that's being chased by the Mind Flayer, and it's just, you can tell the car is driving, this thing is chasing, and yet we still have this (laughs) two-minute-long musical sequence. I know, it was so funny. Everyone's reactions, like Hopper is just like staring at Joyce with this like WTF look and everyone's like cringing and embarrassment and it's just going on and on and you just keep thinking it'll end, but they really, they really dedicate themselves to the gag. It was so funny. Rob was originally supposed to be on this podcast and I think (laughs) the reason why he chickened out was because he was worried that you were going to make him sing it on air. (laughs) That's our new new way we say I love you. We just start breaking into song of a... The never ending story theme. Oh my gosh, JK. that's so sweet. I know, it's just <sighs> sickening. But all in all, I think that just speaks to what works and it's the characters and we could say that all day long because I just think it is yes. one of the best shows because it's not playing anyone playing into anyone's expectations. It's really just rooted in these characters that are so fun to explore this, this like 80s vibe with. For sure. A classic show with classic yeah. characters. Um, I have winners and losers. Do you want to do those? Uh, or, or are you no. in a hurry? Do you want to go watch <laughs> The Bachelor? I'm in a hurry. Is that okay? Yes. No, that's fine. <laughs> I wrote really good winners and losers, everybody. But you Shelby did? has to go to The Bachelor. Oh, so whatever. Okay. Well, you just type them up and we'll put them on our Twitter account after the episode okay. okay okay <laughs> sounds sounds like a plan well have yeah. fun watching the hometown dates I'm, i hope <laughs> it's worth it i know um but you can always follow us on twitter instagram facebook at ps you're wrong remember to leave us a review so we hit that five zero um on yeah iTunes. <laughs> And we will be back next week where Shelby and I will be bringing to you our top 10 movies each so far this year. So we're halfway through the year. (laughs) We've seen a bunch of movies. What are the top 10 things that you should be watching? (laughs) Yes. I'm nervous for what you're going to pick, Shelby. I was looking at my list and I was like, she's going to pick some stinkers. (laughs) Okay. You've already verbalized that isn't it romantic is in your top 10 so so like let's just go in knowing that so that's a good movie and anyone who saw it (laughs) knows that (laughs) well we'll have something to talk about we'll see you guys next week where you can see my great top 10 list shelby's (laughs) bad top 10 list and until then uh bye everybody 